3CR Garden Show on a Sunday morning nice and early so I hope you're all ready for us. This, I'm Virginia Hayward and I will be with you for the next hour and three quarters and with me is Loretta Childs who is one of our garden designers and Sue Stevens who is one of our main, one of our best propagators. Sue, good morning. Good morning Virginia and good morning to everybody out there. It's actually nice and mild in uh, Melbourne. I can't get over the difference between here and in the hills. Yeah, it's lovely. Yes, it is definitely an improvement in the Yarra, to the Yarra yes, Valley. Yes, yeah. We've had some really cold mornings out there already, haven't we? We have, mm. yes. Mm. And Loretta, good morning to you. Good morning, Virginia. Good morning, Sue. Yeah, lovely to be here. And I've been out bright and early every morning on site, so I can tell you it had, you know, varied, but it's been pretty damn chilly. And mm. uh, But, you know, with very mild days in general. Yes, and of course this coming week we can expect some more heat. Yeah, yeah. We're we're laying about a 1,000 metres of turf this week, so we don't want it too hot. It'd be nice if it's around 20, and the turf layers won't like that. You know, I heard the most interesting thing on the radio, and I need to talk to someone about whether this is true, but they they said on the radio when they were talking about the crises that we've been having and the floods, that... There is a 60-70 year cycle and we're just coming out of a 70 year cycle of drought and that we can expect to be going into a, a much wetter 50-60 year cycle. I've never heard anyone no, say that before. I've never heard that before either. Oh, I hope it's true. Because yeah. it'll slightly mitigate global warming. It obviously won't in any way stop it, but yeah. it mm. will slightly mitigate it for us. Yeah, I have to say I've enjoyed mm. this summer. Yeah, yes, yes actually yes. I noticed it on the water... And I mean, I normally have a really big water bill. This is the lowest water bill I think I've had for mm. 10 years. Wow. Um, but coming into autumn, mm. we certainly needed that rain last week. In the last couple of weeks, I've actually put more water down on, especially with the uh, wind too. I find having really large trees, they just draw on your water table. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I've got a massive big oak tree and... The roots must go to across the road, I think, because even in the new gardens, they're just drying out so quickly from that. Yeah. Yeah. But you come home after the wind, and Mm. it's amazing, actually. Bright yellow leaves on things in one day, even with the water, Mm. uh, the wind just takes the moisture out. Absolutely, Mm. yes. I mean, look, the the rain last week for us on site was... um, well, a little trying. I got the last of my rocks in, which is what I do. As you Whereabouts know. is this, this job? This is in Wonga Park. Wonga Park. And right. in a fabulous little hamlet sort of spot of about 10 acres, and it's beautiful. Um, lovely site. Um, enormous amount of material has been brought in. So I got about 125 um, cubic metres of rock, granite, brought in, um, which I placed. And 
We had our last day on Monday and it was dry, which is fabulous because then the next day it turned mm. and I became taller as my boots got more and more mud on them. <laughs> Always, you know, being vertically challenged, we like that. So, mm. Mm. Well, this time last year I was running out of, um, I was running out of water. Okay. Because I'm completely on tank yes. in Seville, yep. and I was running out, whereas this year all my tanks are full. Actually, that's right. That's the first time I've heard you say that. You mm. haven't mm. run out of water. Mm. Mm. Yes, wow. usually. I mean, for me, it's quite interesting. You know, February's bad. When I lived, I lived in London for 20 years. Hated February. Mm. It had been too dark for too long. Yeah. The gar- I hadn't done any gardening for months. And, of course, here I hate February. It's too mm. hot. The garden's dead. <laughs> I'm just hoping that it's all going to come back. And we actually haven't had a heat wave this year no. either. We haven't had a run of those hot days no, either. not so at all. I um, actually feel like I've missed out on summer. It's, it's happened too quick and now it's in autumn. Oh, I'm, happy. I'm happy. Yeah. The only oh, thing yeah. for me is I have uh, my eggplants are still in flower. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm. Yes. yes. So have you had the? Uh, have, has anyone talked about the tomato situation? Well, I mean, might have been all right. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Mm. they're in pots because at the moment okay. we're building, started a year ago, yep. a three-tier wick-watering right. vegetable garden because our retaining walls had come mm. down. And my in-laws have actually got a hard landscaping business out in North Harcourt, so yep. they started it. And then with COVID, mm. we couldn't finish it, and we're okay. still waiting for them to come back. So. We ended up, which I'll never do again, don't ever buy soil for a garden and try and grow tomatoes in pots because not enough air's in them. And I, d- I did get a good crop, but the roots okay. just didn't grow. But I've still got lots of tomatoes still happening mm. now. Mm. But they're heirloom ones, and I've found that when you're growing those sort of yep. heirloom ones, they do a lot better. Mm. Fabulous black one I've got to keep yeah. seeds of and... Uh, Reminds me of red-backed spiders. When you oh. take the end off, it's yep. it's got a, like a little red tip. Yeah. So that Russian one? No, no different again. Okay. And yeah. um, we've got a shop, Organic Empire, in Mount Evelyn that mm. sell uh, seedlings, and mm-hmm. they did heirloom ones, yeah. and uh, the middle nursery in Mount Evelyn. Yep. So everything that I bought was different. One called Rapunzel that has one-metre uh, trusses of cherry tomatoes on it. Um, wow. And then at the moment, but I wish I had done it earlier, I've, I've got in seeds of it's called an Italian tree tomato mm. that grows the size of a washing line. So I've grown it by seed, and at the moment it's about three metres high in the uh, my veggie garden. No, two metres high. Yep. Um, but, yeah, next year I'll have to sow seeds of it early. But okay. I've got it in to watch it. Right. Yeah, amazing. Mm. Yes, well, my tomatoes, a lot of them... They're ripening beautifully yeah. now, yeah. but a lot of them are green. Yep. Mm. No, I've just had that everywhere that I, I keep talking to people who have had trouble with tomatoes mm. this year. And uh, But then I, I went to my girlfriend's on Friday and she had the best tomatoes she's ever had in her wicking beds, beautiful romas, just the best aroma. They're Italian too, mm. so they do know how to grow their tomatoes and they were the best. Whether, whether or not it's a sun, t- I mean mine are in just prominent full sun mm. where they actually are. Yep. Um, yeah. I think makes a difference too. Mm. The other thing, I p- as soon as I've got a bit of pink on them, I pick them yes. so they actually ripen inside. Okay. And you can always put them in a brown paper bag with banana to also mm. ripen them. Mm. Um, I made a big mistake of trying to get birds on the property because I found a bird feeder 
And then I decided to feed them in the back and I got into big trouble from my husband because then they spotted the tomatoes as well as the bird food. I've got a green gauge, which you never see green gauge plums for sale. And I planted it when I first moved there 16 years ago, so Mm. it's huge. And I had so much fruit this year and I was picking it off the tree, eating it. And I thought as I I came down to Melbourne on a Thursday and I thought, oh, this weekend I'll pick all those. Mm. Got back. Not one. Oh, not one. Oh, parrots have just been through. Yep, they love them. Mm. They oh. do love them. No, the cocky was sitting. I had white cockies as well there. Yeah, just sitting there eating away. Mm. Yeah. And they don't mind if it's green. Even my dog that I had out the back used to eat green tomatoes. Okay. Well, Luna, I've, I've had to adopt a 52-kilo dog. She is huge, mm-hmm. and uh, her family were deported during lockdown. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Dutton. And they couldn't find a home for her, so I gave in and took her, because otherwise they were going to have to put her down. Okay. She picks apples off the tree, because she's so big. She's, yeah. quite, you know, she's really high, so yeah. she takes apples off the tree and just crunches. She takes, so <laughs> she takes tomatoes off the vine every time <laughs> she gets into the veggie garden. Mm-hmm. I thought the rats were difficult. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this huge dog just loves yeah. fruit. Yeah. And wow. she's, she started going at the persimmons, but I'm trying to, I'm saying no to oh, the persimmons. Oh, I love I, them. I've, I've got so them. many persimmons Oh, well, this I'll year. come and raid it. I had my first persimmon a couple of years ago. One of my neighbours grows it. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So are you two starting to plant the winter vegetables? Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. No, no. Actually, I don't, don't even talk to me because, I mean, I just walked past the vegetable garden yesterday <coughs> and I went, yes, I have to strip it. It's just ready. I've let everything just go. The, yeah, the rocket just gone crazy. Way. And, you know, I don't think it hurts in the long run. You just let it go and do its thing. And I, I do like getting that sort of natural seed back into the ground anyway and then, you know, just go through and pick mm. out what you don't want. But... Well, I've done one bed. I've Mm. got raised beds um, because I predicted years ago I'd need them. And, of course, raised beds there are so good because having the tin around Mm. the soil Mm. gives me that extra warmth. And I've done one in which I've put um, some onions, some lettuce, you know, just things to carry me Mm. through. But I I have to now start clearing out because I want to get some kale in. And I like to plant coriander now. I love planting coriander Mm. now because it'll go. Yep. Um, and the coriander was good this year. It didn't bolt because we didn't get okay. too hot. Yes. And I have got the best chili plant you've ever seen. Okay. It is. Oh, that's still going, the ones you got from Markman? Abs- yep. Oh, wow. Absolutely beautiful. It's mm. um, shoulder height. Yeah. It's as big as the dog. It's, <laughs> it's really quite big around, and it fruits for... Ten months of the year. It's Fantastic. just extraordinary. Clive Larkman gave it to me. I complained okay. that I couldn't yeah. grow a chili plant. And he said, this one will get you through. This is from right. the high Andes. Okay. It won't mind the cold. So it's red? Um, it orange. Red. Orange? Mm. Okay. And they're, be- and they're Nice chilies. They're beautiful. Yeah, really good. Do you know you can freeze them too? I actually use the, um, you know, the takeaway containers mm. and if somebody gives me chilies, put them in and they'll last in the fridge for years and you just take it out when you need it. What, uncooked? You don't no, pre-cook them? No, not cooked. Mm. And I actually do it with um, a lot of herbs in the snap lock bags mm. because I like all the herbs for cooking and especially lovage, I use it in my soup. So over the summer, 
harvest all the leaves, put them in snaplock bags, and you just break it. It's really easy when it's frozen. Mm-hmm. Just snap it into. And I've been doing it with ginger. I was reading the other day because oh. Jack was always saying about the ginger drying up, and they had all the baby ginger in at IGA, and you just freeze it whole and grate it. Grate it as you need Straight it. Put in. it back in the mm-hmm. freezer. Fantastic. And it's really good. Yeah. yeah, so I've got a whole selection of everything mm. um, in the freezer, yeah, chives or whatever, and you yep. can just take out what you want. I yeah. always have rotting ginger in my, uh, with my yeah. garlic. You know, <laughs> and when you get that really young ginger, oh, you, know, you, can, you can plant it as and well. It's been quite expensive this year too. So at the moment they've had it just over $30, but I bought a kilo of it and wow. it was wonderful. And the garlic, Steph at work has been growing organic red garlic uh, for produce shops and also selling it to us, the best garlic ever. So I bought a year's supply of garlic that I've got at home as well. I, grow my, I do grow my own garlic. Yeah, mm. no. this is just amazing. And you know how garlic's really hard to peel? This is like just comes straight off but and it's a creamy sort of... If you put your garlic into the microwave for 15 seconds... The skin will come? The skin will just come off okay. simply. I like that. It's yeah. fantastic. I've got a friend who now lives in England called Fiona, and she mm. was um, she used to teach Year Twelve yeah. um, cooking, mm. whatever they call it. It's yeah, got a yeah. fancy name now. It's no longer Dom Sai. Actually, she's <laughs> given me great tips with jam too. Mm. Um, I wasn't very good at doing it, and I was up there one day, and she was doing the apricot jam, putting the pips into the jam when yeah. you cook the jam. You don't leave it in. And it just puts this really nice sort of nutty flavour into your apricot jam and lemon juice. Mm -hmm. So I'm always making jam for the girls at work and other people now. Raspberry jam and, yeah, cut the sugar back. That was Fiona's tip. So kilo of fruit, 900 grams of sugar and a squeeze of lemon. And the lemon actually sets your jam, the pectin in it. The pectin in it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, and it's lovely. This, this is the 3CR Garden Show. I'm Virginia, and you're listening to me, Sue Stevens, and Loretta Charles. Yes, I think jam is just, it's a wonderful thing to be making, although I'm trying to give up jam, give wine, up. the things what? that have got a lot of sugar in them. Through COVID at work, we've had, um, because we've had to uh, social distance and things like that, um, change the breaks so that not everybody is together. Uh, but we started off on a Friday and we do it once a month now as people bring in things to share. Yeah. And one of the girls makes these beautiful lemonade uh, scones, which we have with yes. jam and cream. And yes. uh, the other day when we had it, we went through a whole jar of jam, just scones. <laughs> now, one of the Love things it. that I went to Fernie Creek yeah. a week ago, a week ago, and which was absolutely wonderful to see a garden show again, mm-hmm. to see all those stalls yes, to be able yes. to buy things and there were so many people there, it was mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant and a woman came up to me and, and recognised my voice from the 3CR garden show and said, oh I can only listen to you on podcasts because I work night shifts Okay. why don't you have um, an email line so I can send in questions and I said, oh what a good idea and yes. then the next day I was at Karanga and mm. another, this man came up to me, and he lives up in the northeast, up in the hills, yeah. up in the high hills, and he said exactly the same. I can't get, catch you up there, but I always listen to you on podcasts. Right, yeah. Oh, I wish you, I wish I could send in questions. And I said, would an email make the difference? Oh, yes, that'd be wonderful. He said. So, 
our wonderful Karina, who's our real boss, <laughs> has developed a line for us. So if you wish to send in, and I thought this was a good way for people who want to tell us about events that are coming up. Yes. This is a way of sending something in. So our, our line is gardening at 3cr.org.au. So that's pretty that's simple. That's a great idea, isn't mm. it? Yeah. So yes. that's gardening, the activity, gardening at yes. 3cr.org.au. Beautiful. And I'll keep announcing that because people get up and come to the show yeah, <laughs> yeah. at different times. Absolutely. But so anybody who wants to send in a question, we won't, we won't, if you send it this morning, obviously we won't answer it till next week. But also anybody who wants to tell us about an event coming up, a garden show, a, a club, um, what's happening at the Herb Society, for example, you know, the mm. ones that come up regularly. So just send <coughs> them to gardening at 3cr.org.au. What's actually happening with the Open Garden Scheme now? Well, it's, it's operating again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, next week they have their opening Bishop's Court in East Melbourne. Bishop's Court is the home of the Anglican Archbishop, and it's been his home since 1853. Wow. Uh, I'm not suggesting the same Anglican bishop is living there since 1853. <laughs> no. <laughs> they do change. But, and it's the last large historic house and garden in the um, Melbourne area, in okay. the city of Melbourne, because okay. they've just all been you know, carved up. Mm. And there was a threat to the garden many years ago, and a group of volunteers led by the Garden History Society came in and effectively rescued the garden and the volunteers have been maintaining that garden for about 20 years now wow. and it's a fabulous spot but where is that it's, visiting that it's right on Fitzroy Gardens okay so you've got what used to be the Hilton Hotel yeah. and and the hospitals yes it's mm-hmm. in between in between those two effectively and so um, that's next week. I think the following week it's Bollebeck. So mm. have a look. Open Gardens Victoria. Yes, you no. just have a look online and it'll tell you. And we've got one free double class for the, um, Bishop's Court next week. So if you would like to go next week to the Open Garden Scheme, mm-hmm. ring in on 9419 and the first person that comes through will get that free pass. Very good. So, Very yes, good. the Open Garden Scheme is working mm, that's again. That's wonderful because mm-hmm. I've certainly missed that. Yeah. I've become a selector for the Yarra Valley. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we've got very few gardens in the Open Valley, so we need to be looking for some new gardens up there. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, it is good to get the Open Garden Scheme that's running. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It's isn't it interesting though? I think with with the COVID, as as we always refer to now, um, last year I had just one little break in the middle of the year, and that was great because I I was at home and I thought at long last I'm getting on my excavator, which I hadn't I had, well, had it for years, and my partner would drive it, and we I always had people come in, and I thought look this is ridiculous. It's about time I got on, and I really learnt. So, but you need time. Yes. And with an excavator or any machinery, you know, you need time and, and practice. And, of course, I have a really nice playground, as you know. So um, there was this dam that we've had for years and years that was always too high, never going to fill. And I decided, okay, I'm filling it in and I'm making you wait until you come. I'm making a huge terrace garden, which is like a small football field. 
Um, it's a terrace that will just have some seating and be very simple space, but up behind it I have these, um, not pictures of bluestone, these are bluestone from sort of railway stations and you know, huge, enormous things. And I've made a staircase of about 18 steps going down the slope with the bluestone, and I'm still in the midst of it. But I'm going to have one little grassy knoll of lawn, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about. Because I don't have any lawn. And uh, so the things that come, I mean, it is time, and you have to be on it every day, and I'd get on it every day, and I'd just work it out. And now I use backhoe pattern, just so you know, you know. <laughs> Are you going to open your garden again? Um, I look, that was really good coming and yeah. having a look at all that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, I would like to sort of get this pretty Finished, well done yeah. this year, and then um, I'll get. I'm going to get on it very soon. Actually, get back on it. I've just been. I've been back at work flat out again, and uh, it's not working. And too. people are very into gardening since mm. COVID. Yes, so aren't they? people like yourself and people yeah. like yourself. Your nurseries are flat out. Yeah. What I was yeah. going to say too. Um, I posted up. Um, I don't know if the pictures will go up about verges because one of the things you saw a lot with the, what was happening is so many people walking, yes. um, but a lot of interaction you had, even though they were on the other side of the road mm-hmm. talking to... There were many times there people are going like this. I didn't realise I've got my headphones in there yelling out to me. Yes. Nice garden. And even came home one day to a lovely... Uh, note in my letterbox that says thank you for sharing your garden I walk oh, past wow. every Sunday yes. but what we actually did is um, my neighbour many years ago asked if I could grow her some plants and she's done a verge garden mm-hmm. three doors up from me yes. with a seat so people can actually go and yeah. walk yeah. and she probably started me off and what she did was she's got um, a big plantation of Lagostromias took all the lower branches out of it Mm -hmm. to create an undercover area for planting. Okay. So we've used probably 50% Australian natives and salvias, drought tolerant plants, because it doesn't get any water there, but it's on a slope. Yes. Um, And I started then taking out all the understory of mine, even camellias. Mm. I've done my honey bun, in case your honey bun yes. is a massive big standard now. Okay. And so is Golden Glow. Really? So it's given me a huge area underneath that's slightly protected to yeah, grow fantastic. all little things. And it's, yeah. um, I keep looking at them thinking, do I like it, don't I? But mm-hmm. the feedback on it is people seem to. That's lovely. And if I get to the stage I don't like it, I'll just take it out and then do it all something again. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's in a garden that I actually revamped because the frost had got it many yes. years ago. Yes, yes. So I decided to redo it all. Yeah. Yep. This is the three CR Garden Show. If you wish to ring ring in and ask us a question, the number is nine four one nine zero one double five. That ticket for open garden schemes has gone. But if you wish to ring in and just ask us a question or even tell mm-hmm. us a story, 94190155. Mm, very mm. good. We, we were able to keep working, actually, which was terrific last year because of um, I did commercial jobs, which were childcare centres and um, early learning. And, well, we were outside. We were, you know, from Helen to Sunbury to wherever. And then I had a couple of um, gardens that were new builds, private property but new build so you know we were allowed to work and uh, 
But the childcare centres, they were, of course, something that are still going. You know, they had to go through yes. COVID. So mm. uh, they're still building them because people need them. Um, yeah. People keep having children. They How did you go sourcing the plants? Because I'll tell you what, we had the best... We sold so many plants during mm. COVID, we mm. actually ran out of plants at yes, the nursery. Yes. Sue, tell people where you work. Yes, so I, I work at uh, Bushland Flora in Mount Evelyn, and um, Yarra View Nursery have bought us out probably about a year ago now. So uh, for people that actually came to Bushland now, all our plants are available retail at Yarra View Nursery, which is 136 um, York Road in Mount Evelyn. I do think York Road's a rather exciting place it for is. a gardener to go because you've yes. got three nurseries you next do. to each other. Yeah, you and do. we've actually still got a sale on for another week. So if you're looking for, uh, they don't just do uh, the bushland plants, they've got their range also. Mm-hmm. So they're 70% off on a lot of uh, yep. plants there. Some great hedging plants too the double flowered pomegranates, there's viburnums. Even saw some Bacchausia citriodora down okay. there. All their tube stock is like a dollar, mm, which is wow. really good. And they mm. do um, a lot of camellias too. So I know they were doing well over 50 and they've dropped back their numbers. Mm, mm. But, you know, they've got six-inch pots of camellias for $5 yes, there. Yes. And also um, succulents and beautiful um, ferns and things mm-hmm. like that and the rest of their pots. Yeah, and yeah, I, so. I, do, I do think to get three nurseries all next well, to each other, and Karanga, of course, is, continually wins the prize as one of the best nurseries yeah. in Australia mm. and has got a lovely place to actually have a meal. So it, I, I just go for fun. <clears throat> um, yeah, but during too. lockdown, that's how uh, Virginia and I actually saw each other because we would go to Karanga. Yes. The takeaway section was open. Yes. Go and grab a cup of coffee. Yes. Um, and, and a, a muffin, savoury muffin. <laughs> and go and visit... All the nurseries, okay. which was great. Yep. We stood, we could social distance, yes. but it gave us an hour and a half or two hours mm. of actually seeing each other, yep. which was great. So a lot of people actually did that. Mm. And even on a Friday after work, I ducked down to Karanga, grab a scone, just to walk around mm. with yes. plants. Uh, that was great. And I'm lucky because I'm within the five kilometres mm. of the three nurseries, so it was really good. Yes, I wasn't quite, but I, I was only six, so yeah. I would still go. <laughs> yeah, and but even when they uh, made the pick up and collect, it was great. Yeah. So if I had needed some retail therapy, I'd. They knew me. Five minutes later, my bag sitting outside the door of Karanga yes. or wherever. Yeah. Um, and I do find Middle Nursery is a fantastic place to get um, vegetables. Yes, they have such a good supply. Yeah, of vegetables. and also planter pots. You know, I was getting. Um, you know, snapdragons and different things just to get some colour into pots. Yes. A couple of plants on the weekend was enough to just get you through because <coughs> it wasn't easy. And I think having a garden was just one of the best things. At Absolutely. least you could get out and I've got half an acre. Yes. But having also that social interaction, so many people were walking. Yes. So you, you got to have a chat with people. And and, yeah. and observation, you know, you, you're walking and, and so many more people were walking and they are observing and they're seeing, oh, look, look what's going on. And, and people starting new projects, as we know, that's what was the big thing during mm. lockdown is starting projects. I noticed you've brought in some plants there that I you've have. been thinking of. I have. These are, there's a huge variety on this latest build and um, it's really, I, I, we always put in at least 
probably anywhere from 70 to 80% natives. Yeah. But depending on the client, of course, um, with the childcare centres, they always have a good mix of both. Yeah. But I, I sort of wanted to talk a little bit about um, that mix because you don't want to just put roses in no. with grevilleas and that sort of thing. I think thinking about the structure, thinking about colour, all of those sorts of things, and thinking about the beautiful deciduous things we can bring in mm. to the gardens with our exotics. So um, this is a garden that really just has a bit of everything, which is lovely. Uh, so sort of talking about that upper story and uh, the upper story of this garden is a coppice of 35 um, brachychitin populants, mm. which is a fabulous tree and we've got a really beautiful range of most fabulous specimens. They're all probably about, um, let's say, 1,800 high, m- metre 80. And, uh, so that, that's quite... That's, that's a good size tree. Who's actually doing those? Because I know Ian was doing them years Let ago. Me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really surprised because I I was actually thinking of tall trees. Yeah. Anyway, Flemings are doing them, which is pretty amazing, and they every single specimen was stunning, Uh, and huge holes had to be dug. So we sort of, and we're we're trying to keep this um, feeling of it being a really lovely natural coppice, you know, so they've all been sort of thrown in there, an understory, so thinking of that beautiful trunk that a brachychitin has, which is outstanding and becomes more and more outstanding, smooth, and I, I actually always refer to these brachychitin, the populants, as the native, um, uh, uh, well, they say pop, it pop, populants is for poplar, so that's where that sort of name comes from, but I actually think they're our silver birch, because mm. that leaf, there's sort of even the leaf has that, but it's not going to lose its leaves which is great Mm. Um, you know and uh, insignificant flower but if they're really happy and healthy you really do notice it a little bit a little bit creamy a little bit of a pink tinge Um, so that's sort of your your big upper story in due course Mm. and underneath those putting just a very simple grey box with stringier which is that lovely self sort of I think it's um, I think you can call it something that prunes itself because it just is it's clumping it's a fabulous thing. I and have found with me, I have terrible trouble with the rabbits. Oh, um, yeah. The Westringia smoky mm. never gets touched. Mm. That's oh. what they ended up yeah. using in Cranbourne, actually. Yeah, for the, because s- partly yeah, the same reason. They were eating mm. the salt bush, so they put the Westringias I put yeah. salt bush in, they disappeared overnight. Yeah. Yes. I've never seen anything disappear so fast. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, and look, these sort of gardens where you can pop in um, that bit of um, colour with we've put along a big uh, what do you call it rammed earth walls beautiful home um, and we've put at the back of those just as a backdrop some cottonous grace mm. which oh, I is love just that. to give you that bit of colour on that natural coloured wall <coughs> and it's going to go away but you're going to have those other things like the populace and so will you be suggesting they coppice the the cottonous the, uh, the, the cottonous everybody is the smoke bush yes it and is in the botanic gardens for those of you who visit the botanic gardens recognizing that we do have one of the five best botanic mm. gardens in the world in melbourne mm. so you should be visiting it yes and in the botanic gardens they tend to coppice them down to the ground regularly yes, yes. well look i think these will probably they're a beautiful specimen once again and we'll probably take them back fairly heavily i take mine back know, every two or three years yep. and i take it back to about what is my shoulder height. Yes, yes. So I want the tree. Yes. 
but I like to take it back. Mm. Um, I've got one I don't take back because it's an old tree and yeah. it's, it's fully grown. Yeah. But the other ones I take yeah. back regularly, but not every year, which is what they do them every year in the Botanic yes. Gardens, yes. which means you don't get as much of the smoke of the flower, effect, the flower. Yes, that inflorescence, yeah. But you do get a, this extraordinary big shrub in the back of your borders, mm. which mm. is. I think we don't we don't think of coppicing yes. things as much as we maybe yes, should. Absolutely, mm. I think this will be a garden that will need um, quite a bit of attention. I'm sure the owners won't like me saying that, but <laughs> it will. You can't but plant a couple of thousand plants and not think you're going to have to look after them. And yes, can I yeah. say there's no such thing as a garden that doesn't need attention? And people that think it's going to be easier, if, oh, I'll put in natives because they mm. don't need as much care, rubbish. Oh, oh my, my pet, yeah, disturbs me. This is my pet disturbance is getting a client and they say, I want a no-maintenance garden. And mm. I will say, there's no not such a problem. Thing. Get a bit of concrete, you'll be fine. A bit of concrete, a bit of decking. But, yeah, it's just we we make them as low maintenance as possible. Uh, Something I will say is having, you know, quite a few thousand plants come on site is another little thing is when you're buying from, um, say, a um, plant mark or, you know, those sort of places, really check your pots. Because yeah. the weed situation, you are just the continuation of transferring weeds around the country is, yes. is so there. Because when you've got all those different nurseries, you know, growers putting them in one spot, and they don't just go every day, they can sit there for a while. Mm. And uh, we had a few ones that we thought, wow, we spent, you know, a couple of hours weeding the pots. Yes, well, I'm sure it was a pot that was how I got, um, you know, the yellow oxalis. I'm sure I got that from a pot. We, uh, I think, too, with the weather, Mm. we've got, um, like, weeds with the tubes. Every Monday now, everybody gets on board and actually just weeds Mm. for a couple of hours, everybody in the nursery, to try and get on top of that, Yep. Um, especially the flickweed, because you're holding on to tubes that are going mm. out and then that mm. goes into the next lot and whatever. Yeah. So, And yeah. I do yeah. like I do like if I can, you can't do this with all plants, but I do like if I can to soak most of the soil off before I plant things mm-hmm. for that reason. Actually, yeah. some of the ones that we're doing, we've just been taking that whole top layer, lifting the pots up and taking that whole top layer of the pot, mm. the yeah. weeds off. Yeah. <clears throat> Even in the garden at the moment, this year I've had probably more weeds than ever, I think with it's all the rain. The rain. Mm. Yeah. Everything's yep. doing well, yep. particularly the weeds. Yep. Yep. So any, anything that's deep. This is the 3CR Garden Show. If you wish to talk to us, ring us on 94190155. I forgot to say, you can also send us a text on 04888809. And if you want to send us an email, which we'll pick up next week, it's gardening at 3cr.org.au. And that talkback number is 04888809. Oh, nine. oh, sorry, I've got it quite wrong. 0488 809 855. I was going to say, Loretta, too, you plant, when you're designing gardens, are you looking at, like, the whole year and, and putting in different flowering things mm. for different seasons? Absolutely, or, yeah. absolutely. And I think that's... Uh, when I was um, even in my own garden planting out one particular area around the pool one year and I, I stripped it out and I, new planting, which is always really exciting. And, and I can be, I, I look at a garden and I think, well, 
that's really straggly. I don't need that. Mm. I can be quite ruthless. My sisters and my mother always get me to do their pruning. Mm. For the um, same reason. Yes, yep. because they just go, no, you're going to get the best result. So, but a garden, uh, this garden I put in, um, the back planting I've put in Dietes Robinsoniana for a little bit of vertical structure. And then we've put in the grey box. And that is like a cloud. so The Westringia. Yeah, the Westringia. So that goes all the way through. And in the front of that, I've put in um, Cousin It. Oh, the, lovely. Um, the, um, I've just Casarena. bought, I've just Ca- bought yeah, my Casarena. first Cousin It. Have you? Mm. I've mm. put in about 15. And so, you know, you've got texture. You've got structure. And, and things are flowering. Well, we know the Westringia is a pretty all-rounder and mm. flowers a little bit all year but yes you know those sort of that, that's what I really like to do and at, at another time I actually had the the birthday candles the little banks oh, lovely in the yep. front of that too so different flowering times mm. too and then kangaroo pour at the back of that that's yep. another one where you can get that beautiful structure and flower yes I wouldn't say the garden is incredibly floral but that's not my purpose. It's no, I think I'm, I'm a bit of a foliage person, actually. Yes. yes. Um, I've still got a lot of flowers, but like if I bring in the flowers that I've brought in, which is I probably could pick a bunch ten times of that with mm. the different flowers, but on half an acre it isn't as much as what you actually think. Mm. So I tend to use a lot of um, things with structure. Yes. And I have a passion for plants with nice leaves. I love epimediums. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I underplant a lot and mm. I've got a, a, quite a shady garden. Yes, okay. Um, yeah. But I go around the nurseries too every month. Mm-hmm. That's how I started because mm-hmm. I thought, well, if you go to the nursery every month and you get something that's in flower, you you gradually can introduce that back in. Yes. And, and it's so important to remember to try, you know, if you if you're doing a whole new area in your yep. garden, you buy everything at once. Yes, that's right. Unless you're very careful mm. and doing the thinking, mm. you will mm. find that you've got yes. a massive spring garden and a nothing else garden. And yes. and the mix too, because I like to have trying to get the habitat of the birds in. Mm. Um, so I've got a lot of little birds, um, part, hundreds of partalotes and mm. spinebills, mainly mm. smaller birds. Mm. But I can't get any. I've had occasionally fairy wrens can't get New Holland honey eaters. So we have New Holland honey eaters. Yeah, I've got the food for them and everything like that, but they will not come into my garden yet at the nursery. I find that extraordinary because what has brought this? When I moved into my place, I had no small birds at all, Mm. and I've found the salvias have been one of the things. Yes, the salvias and the grevilleas. Mm. Yes, because that's my garden. People say, "Oh, you've got a native garden." No. Oh, you've got an exotic. No. Mm. And people say to me, "Oh, you should put more natives in." And Mm. if they're referring to the local plants, I think yes, of course. Mm. But you know, New Zealand's closer than Broome. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, the, the uh, I haven't got a lot of the big flowered grevilleas, which I think is what I need to get in because yes. the smaller ones are not attracting the birds; they're attracting the bees. Yes, they but like that's good to get too. Into. And the banksias, yeah, mm. Mm. yeah. Absolutely. But I've I've got probably look, I don't know how many now, at least a hundred different salvias in the garden. But I've got salvias for every month of the year, so mm. even in winter. Yeah. I've got lots, and I never ever prune anything right down. I always make sure that there's, you oh, know, yes. those and also habitat. Mm. When I wasn't well and I didn't get to prune a lot of the garden, is when I realised that 
you need to create those habitats of overgrown areas and mm. little areas for them to get underneath and they feel safe. Many years ago, I had a big blackwood fall down and I had a tree stump and Virginia said, why don't you grow my tall rosemary there? Mm-hmm. And we both looked at it the other day and thought maybe it should come down. And I, I was out gardening in the front and there would be 20 little birds scurrying around underneath it. And then I had this um, white ceramic car that had succulents that have filled up with water and the little birds are in this yep. tiny thing. And I thought, I can't take it out if that's their little and I think one safe of, area. One of the worst things you can do for your animals and your birds and your insects is be too tidy. Yes. You know, we thought that rosemary that originally came yes. from my place at yours had got too too woody. Mm. But, of course, that's exactly what the birds want. Yes. I mean, I've got silver eyes, which I never used to have. Mm. I'm so thrilled. And they've only recently come in. Yeah. And, they, you know, more and more small birds coming in. Well, anything they want, I will do. Mm. Yeah. And I feel the same about the bees. And people yes. want me to put in beehives, but I don't want to because I've got a lot of native bees. Yes, and, and they really don't like that. No. Yes. I, I, well, I don't want the competition for the no. native bees. No. I haven't had as many native bees in my garden this year that is what I normally do. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. Friend, there are people that have got beehives around me, so mm. I don't know if that's affected... The, uh, the native bees or not. Sass has put in a beehive. Yes, yeah. I, I don't know how far they travel. Can I just say that, in fact, Bishop's Court is open today. I did check with somebody okay. at Open Gardens last night, and they said, oh, yes, Bishop's Court next weekend, so I'm very sorry, everybody. But that does mean that those of you who are somewhere around Melbourne can travel off to East Melbourne, not very far. Yes. You can get there on the tram, you can get there by the train, and have a look at Bishop's Court today. And the person who won the tickets, just email them and see what you've got tickets for. It'll be a nice surprise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Might be something exciting. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think um, also talking about our, you know, natives and exotics, there are so many, if, if people aren't so keen on their natives, it's about looking at those things like Rapalepsis, Snow Maiden. It's looking at um, even Coriobelenii. They're quite exotic-looking plants. Absolutely. And you will just get so much out of them. And the Coliban River Corrier. Yeah. I love that you plant. Know, it's, well, mine are huge um, now. They make great hedges, oh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I've done hedges. I've done so many things. I mean, a really tough one is the Raphalepsis, I must say, though. And the Snow Maiden does stay compact and strong and tough. It's, it's quite a... It's certainly a formal plant. I think, you know, and, until it's quite old. and But it's it once again... Which, to, which one is that? It's uh, Raphalepsis, Snow Maiden, and uh, I think I've got it right here, that one. Does it have a name for people, um, casual name? Well, I'm, no? very, I'm really bad at this. Well, it, it basically it says Snow Maiden, Raphalepsis, right. so that's sort of... You'll get that just about anywhere. Indica is... Um, so, look, I, I think that's a really fabulous one for people to... To look at and think, all right, this is I can do a bit of hedging and mm. you know have a bit of formality, but they are natives and they flower and they do all the good things we want them to do. I was going to do a segment on that. Well, I took a couple of pictures, but I haven't posted them up on hedges because we actually have the stock gardens at work and planted as hedges, yeah. so you get the opportunity you to do. have a look. And um, Bush Magic have got a new. Acmena that I really love called okay. Pencil Red and it's a smaller 
Acmina, mm. and instead of um, on the uh, cherry surprise that is more open mm-hmm. sort of form, this is going to be tighter and upright with um, bronze, bronzy red tips. Mm-hmm. Really good plant. So yeah. yeah, just building up stock. It's available on the market at the moment. Yeah, um, but limited. Um, quantities, I think it'll be more towards September. Okay. Yeah, really yeah. nice plant. Yeah. Yeah, but even philothecas. Absolutely. You know, they look... Philothecas are so... Um, winter rouge mm. in a group planting is absolutely beautiful and because you've got that different foliage, mm. it still looks nice even when it's not um, flowering. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and talking about these, it's that mid-story too. And that's so the Cori is a fabulous mid-story. Yes. Um, your Aphalipsis is a great mid-story. Some of the small um, Banksias like Little Eric. I love that. Yeah. Little Eric is a ripper. Um, so, you know, there's all those lovely mid-story going down to, let's say, those grasses, your mm. lamandras, and it's brilliant. It's, I think it's overlooked a lot when people come in, you know, for sales and that, and they're looking, they're looking at two and two and a half meters. I think we need to have more plants actually available around the one one and a half meter yes, yeah. because yeah. You, you do need to layer your plants. You, you do. do. You need yes. you and need things that are at the ground. You need things mm. that are at the knee. You think, need mm. things at the hip, and you yeah. need things that are way above your head. And yes. the Balini, uh, one of the houses just down from where Jin is at the moment, has actually turned that into a hedge. Remember, mm. at the front, yes. I've looked at it thinking, oh, I know that foliage and. Mm. The beauty of that is too the width of it because it grows to yes. what two two and a half meters yes. wide, yes, which you is can great. Really, and and I mean it's always got a little bit of flower on yes. it once again, yeah. which I think is wonderful and beautiful for the children. The old chef's cap being yep. a common name, and um, if you're going up into that um, upper story, not the not the um, brachychiton, but once again the leptospernum, yes, for colour and softness, and um, I've put in over here that. A lovely silver weeping. Oh, silver weeping is I just love that. Stunning. Yep. Absolutely stunning. And then this is your starry night, which is your burgundy. And the leptospernum, everybody, are the tea trees. The tea yes. trees. Good old tea tree. And yeah. it's uh, putting in, once again, I mean, of course, we do mass plantings of most things. So mm. to put in a half a dozen of your burgundy and then throw in a few of the silver... It's just the most beautiful, and, and a lot of movement you get with that too, like you do with the grasses. You know, even having an exotic garden, I've got um, a, a mix, and I've actually got roses and salvias, and I'm just trying to think what else will come up with that. I don't know if it's the irises yet, and then I've got uh, Leptospernum marinda oh, yeah. and uh, mesmerise flowering mm-hmm. at the same time as I've got all that colour of the... Roses and things mm. like that. And it's, it's this is the 3CR Garden Show. If you wish to ring us, ring us on 94190155 or if you want to send us a text, 0488 809 855. Mm. Yes. But great for bringing in the bees too into yes. the garden, the yeah. leptospernums. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Putting, mm. putting in those other things too, isn't it? Like uh, We know that it's also about... Um, soil types and with your olives well you olives are good no worries in with all your natives 
they're tough, they're hardy, like once again putting in your olives with your balenii, your coria, yeah. and then putting in some rosemary and all the prostrate rosemaries we have. Mm. And they've all got that same habit yes. of liking that type of soil. And I've actually got corias planted underneath my lime and lemon trees and banksias and the whole lot just all mingles and mm. it works. And yeah. I do think I've got rosemaries right down my driveway because mm. it's one of the hardest spots. And, mm. of course, in the middle of winter, there they go and they mm. flower for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I love things that will mm. flower for me in winter. Yeah, absolutely. It's mm. why I think you have to have a wattle somewhere. You do. Just because it'll be flowering in, in, mm. in that cold. Mm. I mean, yellow in the middle of summer is not a colour I particularly like because it tends to be quite a warm colour. Mm. Whereas to see yellow in winter on a yes. cold winter's day is just cheery. Yes. Mm. It is. It mm. lifts your spirit. Mm. My girlfriend came down after 30 years in Queensland and still up there, but she hadn't been down. She was born and bred in um, Warrandyte. So, I mean, yeah, wattles were her thing. And she a bushwalker and... She came down in August. She said, I have to come down. I have to see the wattles. And she was, we went walking in around Christmas Hills and she just had the best time what, looking at all the wattles and the smell. And because, you know, sort of from fragrance through the bush is so strong in autumn and in spring. Mm. It's really, really in your nostrils, you know. Mm. And I think um, up, up in Queensland, it's, it's quite different. It's more, sort of almost more dissipated in a way because of the heat. It, everything merges and blends. Because mm. with the Christmas of a, a fresh spring morning or autumn, yeah. um, you know, they're more individual fragrance. And I've got 31, I counted last year, 31 camellias, not 31 different camellias, mm-hmm. just 31 different plants mm-hmm. in my garden. And they're just starting to flower now, and they will be going for months, mm. yes, absolutely months. Yes. And some of them are huge and blousy and mm-hmm. really loud, and some of them are small and dainty and white and gentle. Yeah, and um, the birds love them too. Mm. Get a lot of birds in. Have you seen a case of little flory? Bush magic too? No, I haven't. So little flory is a floribunda, mm-hmm. and we only started doing it a couple of years ago. But it doesn't get any higher than eighty centimeters, and it's got That's flowers on like twisties. Okay. And it's a great mm. little hedge yep. for a landscape job. Oh, really, right. really good. I've got it in the front garden yeah. um, because my soil is uh, not 100%. It's so about 50 centimetres tall. Mm. And then it just goes into full flower of these yellow. Wow. wow. Yeah. And yeah. is it available? Yes, it should okay. be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But really yeah. interesting and really, really hardy. So mm-hmm. mine gets western sun mm-hmm. where it's situated, yep. not a lot of water. Yep. But, you know, when I'm talking to people about designing a garden and what they're going to plant, the thing I always ask first and foremost is where is the north wind? Where is mm-hmm. the northwest wind? Because I know when you watch a program they say, oh, we must, does it face north, south, east, mm. or west? But I think that is, I mean, obviously if you have a plant that doesn't want sun, it doesn't want sun. Yeah. Mm. Shade is shade. Mm. Yeah. But you can have shade and be facing north. Mm. Yeah. And my question is the north wind, because in my experience that is what damages our plants, those yeah. hot north winds mm. that come from the centre. Things like acacia, honey bun, uh, floribunda, and um, the old golden glow, Mm-hmm. I find are really hardy to and any green conditions. Whale. 
green yes, wave. Yes, I mean, green, green wave well, too. Well, how yeah. eye, isn't it? And I've so got a, I've got a cassonia up on my mm-hmm. on my high, very north wind po- mm-hmm. point, yeah. which is, of course is a an African South African tree or an African Southern African tree, and it is perfectly happy up there. It it's just yeah firing away. Mm. Mm. But mm. then you know, there's just other things that that and maples. It yeah. doesn't if if you can put a maple in a shade. But if it's still going to get the north wind, it's going to get stripped. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so I think this is a very thing, important thing for people to consider when they're planting. Will mm. it get the north wind? Mm. And if it does, then you have to take that into account. Yeah. Yeah. There are salvias, there are acacias, there are all sorts of plants that are very happy taking the north wind, mm. but there's mm. a whole lot of that aren't. Yeah. And I do think the bigger <coughs> the leaf, the less likely it is to cope with the north wind. Yes, yeah, mm. I agree. I think uh, also with colour, <coughs> going on to that lower story, yes. if, with your grasses, once again, as I have here, you've got um, Tanika, which we know is on every curbside around, but for good reason. Yes, a, a Lamandra. Um, yes, Lamandra. Very and uh, then there's Frosty Tops, Lamandra, which is your beautiful bluey greys. I do, I do love the flower on the Frosty Tops. It's lovely because it is so contrasting, isn't it, than your limey sort of Lamandra. I actually love that colour in a grass, the Frosty Top. It's that beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Really nice. And there used to be, um, it's still around, Frosty Curls. Okay. Yeah, Frosty Curls with a greeny, greeny grey and it curled all the way around. Um, mixing that with... The old Carax, yes. the Stacia is fabulous too, and with golden colours. I notice you've got that bluey one. Have you this grown... One? No. Ah, oh, this, this one that here. that one there. Yes. Have you actually grown that? I haven't. This is the first time I've put it in. Because I'm very... I've also just put that in. Oh, tell What's me... It's and it's not called bluey one. No, <laughs> the bluey one. I yes. love it. It's pointing across. Um, Panicum variegatum, which is an Iron Maiden. Absolutely oh. stunning. Absolutely I haven't beautiful. seen that yet. That is so beautiful. I noticed that they're open. Um, we went down to King Lake the other day. Mm-hmm. and they're Up to King Lake. Up, to, up to King Lake. <laughs> um, yeah, so next time I go, I'll have to pop in and have a look. But I am worried. You know, I mean, you know, the grass Carl Forster, yes. Calamagrostis. Yes, yes, and everyone says, oh, you must plant that, you must plant that. Yeah. But it needs water. Yes. It does need water. Yes, and yes. you can't assume just because it's a grass it's mm. going to cope without mm. water. And Carl Forster needs water. I do wonder with Iron Maiden if it's... Because I think it is beautiful. This grass, everybody, has is quite got quite a bluey colour. Yep. So it's really... It stands with, with, out. It's blue with very red tinges, which is morose. Sort of, they call, say here, grey foliage with lovely purple marron purple tips. Um, the foliage becomes more purple as the season progresses. So that's an interesting thing. Attractive fawn-coloured flower ores in summer and autumn before the foliage turns to a lovely golden straw colour in winter. So it'll be interesting to see if it's going to be one that needs water. And that one's a bit tall. What does that get? 1.600, 1.6. Oh, okay. So it can get quite tall. Um, This has been planted at the end of a 25-metre swimming pool and... uh, it is looking through the glass to it. So it'll be quite interesting to see how it goes. And I've actually put in, a, oh, I can't remember the name of this beautiful uh, salvia, which is a very thin, tall salvia, very fine. Mo- it's it's um, grey, very, very grey. 
um, trunk and all the rest of it and little mauve flowers, tall and thin and wispy looking. So, and I have no idea what the name is. <laughs> that was really helpful. From? Uh, same place, same place. This is antique plants. Oh, antique per- perennials, okay. I should say. Yeah. Of course, the problem with them is that they do grow in a very wet area, so we always need to be checking. And yes. some of the salvias, not many, yes, but some salvias do need water. I mean, we've taken into account this is going to be highly irrigated, this yes. garden, so that does help. I would love to highly irrigate, but it's... Uh... Hmm. <laughs> this is um, in amongst a really a, a huge amount of an exotic that we have used is the Miscanthus Yokoshima dwarf, which is going to be pretty stunning I think really huge huge swathes of it right through the front of the garden and um, once again planting that with some natives that because when it dies down you're going to have you need something else there don't you so Mm. uh, it's just you know playing with a few different things which is a lot of fun. Now Loretta we've had a text in or a phone call on the outside line where can the Raphaelopsis pink lady be purchased? Now, it's fairly it's commonly around, isn't it? It is very commonly around. You can put it just about any sort of average, like it doesn't have to be a native nursery, you can get it just about anywhere. So I think you, I'd just sort of... Unfortunately, inquire. we don't know where that person lives who's asked us. Mm. I mean, you'd definitely be able to get it on York Road in Mount Absolutely, Evelyn, but absolutely. Then, of course, you've got three nurseries to try yeah. there. Yeah, you do. But, um, of course, if somebody is. lives in Essendon, they don't want yes, to come up there. they're not there. going to go there. Well, Poynton's in Essendon mm. would have mm. things like that, wouldn't they? And it is Snow Maiden, just so we know. That's Snow Maiden. Um, yes, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I actually don't know that place. You don't know no. that one? Okay. No. Yeah, I've used it a lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot. So um, another beautiful architectural plant is, of course, the Dorianthes. And you've got the larger one and the smaller one and a fabulous, stunning plant, tough, tough as old boots. And I've planted them at my place and they just haven't grown. Isn't that sad? Because I, I think, think my soil's too yeah, rich. It prob- might be, but they structurally it's such a beautiful plant it's to sort of... That's the spear lily. There's yes. two, and they both have. They're b- both Australian, and mm-hmm. they have um, huge flowers that yeah. spike up into the air. They can go three meters up, and and Pomeria is the sm- is the smaller one, which is and sort of a meter across. My friend who lives in Marrickville in Sydney mm-hmm. has got them as a street tree. Oh right, which is fabulous. Wow, except that of course it doesn't really give shade, which yes. you want from a street tree. Yes, of course, of course. I, um, I, I sort of wanted to mention this one too, which is the Senecio Trident. Do you know this one? Yes, yes I do. Yes, which yes. is terrific yep. too. And, which um, is a succulent. A succulent. And it doesn't sort of, the, the other blue um, and, and different, you know, the greens, they tend to run a lot further. And this one seems to stay a little bit more compact and quite long, strong little cream flowers on long stems, which is just beautiful. For those people um, yeah. who are wondering, it's, this is Loretta Charles telling you about this plant at the moment. Loretta is a garden designer, and the other guest we have in here today is Sue Stevens. I'm Virginia Hayward, and you are listening to mm. The Garden Show at 3CR. If you wish to ring in, it's 94190155, or for a text, 0488809855. Yes. So the very special thing about Trident Blue is that Every plant that is sold, 10 cents goes to Beyond Blue. 
Oh, oh wonderful. And I think that's yeah. really worth mentioning. So mm. um, try it in blue, everyone. Try it, <laughs> I say. And, and it's, it's terrific. It's beautiful little forked end like Poseidon. They're sort of, this is what they're sort of talking about, the trident. Um, so, yeah, and I, I was reading about it and I thought, wowee, I like those connections. Now, question, would you put a succulent in a bed that you know is going to be watered? That was my question too. Yes, well, I, I would be planting it fairly high. So not, you know, so, it, so and also with the mulching, keep the mulching well away so that it really doesn't get that sort of soggy, wet root mm. system. So, uh, yes, that's, I have planted them in irrigated gardens. I've been a guide at the Botanic Gardens for 15 years or longer. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've noticed over the years, is the planting has changed and the things that need a lot of water are now planted together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Botanic Gardens has been brilliant. It's cut its water usage by 50%, yes. mm-hmm. which is extraordinary yeah. when you think mm. that they have to water the grass because it's so important in, in the heat that people mm. have got somewhere to go. Yes. But they've cut their water u- usage by 50%, but they very much plant. These plants need water. These plants yes. don't, so that yes. you don't have to water so much of the garden. Yes, and I think this is enormously... I mean. You know, your hydrangeas mm. are going to need water. Mm. Yes. So don't plant succulents next to your hydrangeas. No, mm. absolutely. Not absolutely. that that would look any good anyway. But <laughs> no, that's all right. And, and it is really working on, uh, over the years, making sure that our gardens aren't also overwatered, which I know might sound strange, but I've, I've really worked on making my garden very tough. You know, yeah. you survive or you don't. And it's, you know, I don't water my back garden at all. Mm. And my husband last year, I think it was when we had a run of the really hot um, winds, mm-hmm. he said, the garden's going to die. I've had the sprinklers on. And I said, it'll come back. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've got an established garden of salvias, plectranthus, yes. roses, yep. um, I haven't got a lot of Australian natives in the back. Um, they can be on the ground. You really because if you keep putting the water on when you've got big trees, mm. the trees are just going to take it anyway. I've noticed you can just and waste your water. And the other problem with watering very regularly mm. is you need to water occasionally and deep deeply, so that you right. so the roots yes. aren't encouraged to sit close mm. to the top. Mm. Mm. And that's of course why all those large front garden traditional sort of Australiana gardens, all those large trees died. In, in the really severe part of the drought. So you would see, even like a liquid amber or something, no one was watering their lawns. Mm. And those trees were really used to getting that water on a regular basis yes. because everyone had their sprinkler on. So they all thrived and thrived. And there were all these huge trees dying um, where, yeah. And I have to that. say, I think this was one, a real mistake in, in um, the drought. The horticultural industry and the gardeners really took a hit and could not and were expected to stop watering whereas there was not anything like the same restraints put on all sorts of other industries mm. and what we have to do if we're going to live through this climate change is we have to have more trees everywhere yes. in our cities and Melbourne City Council are very into trying to make Melbourne City mm. a forest Mm. And we need this to actually cool the place down. That's right. And one of the other things we do is we need to have more open space. The theory is that you you make people live vertically and then have a lot of open space around Mm. those verticals. Mm. 
and people putting in plastic grass. It is plastic. What does yes. plastic do on a hot yes. day? It gets boiling. Yes, that's what right. What does grass do on a hot day? It's cool. Cools. Absolutely, yeah. yes. I did a roof garden a couple of years ago in Hawthorne, and uh, I, to this day I continue to get photos sent to me on a regular basis of the habitat on the roof mm. that is just the most beautiful thing out from their bedroom they walk onto a little balcony and here's this whole rooftop and they and she particularly wanted it to be a native rooftop because she wanted to encourage everything she could in the way of local insects and bees and whatnot and uh, it's it's just they're the really beautiful things you reap from uh, and so what sort of things yeah. did you plant there Marissa? Uh, we we actually talked about doing, we did some kangaroo paws, some, some of the little ones that she knew that I always call those those sort of dwarf kangaroo paws um, a long-term bunch of flowers mm. because that's how you've got to look at it, you know. Because they don't last no, a long time. No, lamandras. Um, we put a different sort of mix on the roof, so it was quite reasonably deep. Um, some, yeah, nice soft lamandras, um, I think lime divine, which was um, beautiful. Um, I've got to think right back now to yes, it was, long, you know, it, was now, it was quite a few years ago, and um, but she continues to add to it, which is really lovely too. Yes, and that's the only way yeah, you, you can go. Absolutely. So it's been a really, really beautiful thing to do. Lots of grasses, really, which she was after. She travelled a lot around the world, and she would sort of have a look at um, what she liked, and she liked things that were moving. So it was yes. sort of like the roof was always moving. So that's what we did a lot of, which was really lovely. Yeah. Well, it is one of the changes in garden design over the last, what, 15, 20 years, mm. is that grasses have really seriously they come have. in. You know, mm. And mm. It's, it does make a difference because in those really, in Britain you know, and, or Northern Europe, they stay there yes. as, as just something that is mm. moving and mm. and gorgeous yes. through the winter yes mm. well we repeat all of, you know yes. I mean, that's that's the obvious one you go to mm. isn't it a little bit of a favorite and uh i think that's just oh stunning to see really you are getting that whole year of structure in a sense and then the new comes again which is so exciting mm. i think you do need to think i've got one grass whose name i can't remember which is um uh, variegated mm-hmm. and I, I can't have it Yes, it moves. It travels. Yes, I, I, yes. I've taken it out, and I won't. I won't have it anywhere in my mm-hmm. place because it will go to the paddock. Mm. And you do need to think about that. That, of course, is why Calamagrostis calfoster mm. is so popular because it's sterile. Yes. So it won't travel. Yes. But yeah. uh, but it does need water. Yes, it's lovely listening. I just got an email yesterday from an aunt in Manchester and talking about. Uh, she's she's 94. Passionate gardener. Absolutely passionate. And uh, just talking, as we do each year, about, well, of course, for her, what's happening is spring and being very excited about the newness of the garden and she's planted extra bulbs and she's done this and done that. And it's just it's just lovely mm. that you share that. Um, and still at 94, she's absolutely passionate, just mm. like my mother at 95, passionate quarter-acre garden, flat out, full-on, cultivating it every day. Mm. She's in the garden. Special. I, th- I like that. At the moment, I belong to quite a few plant forums on Facebook. I'm a bit of a p- post on Facebook a lot, but um, belong to some plant forums in Montenegro and Russia. Yeah. And I am amazed at what they actually grow over there. Mm-hmm. And even I've got a nickname now of Su- Susie Salvia. So one of my <laughs> friends <laughs> has actually planted a garden 
um, at, like that. And I've actually uh, put in a little garden and I've called it Lily's Garden. Okay. Because um, I can't say her name in Russian. <laughs> so she's ended up being um, a Facebook friend and we actually FaceTime, which is wonderful. Wow. She can't speak English, I can't speak Russian, but we can get it across. Mm. And if you actually talk on Facebook, it converts. Mm -hmm. But she's showing me they have the most amazing roses, hydrangeas, liliums, um, and it's been a real learning experience because they actually have the snow. And Mm -hmm. last year they didn't have snow in Russia, and the snow is actually what what, what protects their plants from the frost. Um, and a lot of people have got gardens, they say, in the village. So they live in the city mm-hmm. and then they have all their gardens and they grow a lot of the produce themselves mm-hmm. and then uh, make it into jam, store it right. in cellars. But they actually have to wrap. They grow clematis, roses, everything, and everything's wrapped up in sheets mm. uh, to protect wow. it over winter. But the other thing that, yes, and, and of course they're, their plants yeah. are dormant. In but you know what's lovely? Sharing plants on Facebook too is when we're in our summer, they're in their winter yeah. and they miss out on their plants and seeing the pictures. Mm. And then we go into winter and yeah. it um, we just inspires us just to keep gardening yeah. too. Yeah. But we don't have the same experience. I mean, no. you know, in winter they are completely oh, dormant. Yes, mm. yes. Mm. Yeah. And, and actually I was thinking um, from a climate perspective, so, I mean, you're, you're talking seasonal is one thing, but from a climate perspective, talking about there not being snow there um, when there should be because yes. of what the snow does, it's also a way of keeping tabs on, okay, what is going on? Yeah. You know, it continues around the world, what is going on <coughs> This year the they've had the snow, but last year there was none, mm. and that's yes. really rare for that to happen. Yeah. But I had that too in... In the 90s, I lived in Port Moresby, and we didn't have a wet season one of the years that okay. I was actually up there, which is when we had the drought in Melbourne. So I came back in the March, and Dad said, pray for the rain. I started praying for the rain. He said, stop praying, because when the drought broke, then mm. it was just continual. But yes. it was really unusual living in Moresby and no wet season right. up there too. So Well, I recently, I've just remembered, because, you know, the memory's going, but um, uh, only a month ago I went up to Mount Buller with an intrepid lot of friends being AB and Chloe that you we know who comes in also and Liz from Karanga. Oh wow. And uh, we went away for a weekend to do a little bit of a field trip. Uh, they are all absolutely brilliantly um, keen skiers and they uh, so they hadn't been up there not skiing. So we had this fabulous, we, we did walk for hours and hours and I did tell them I wasn't that fit but anyway <laughs> um, we went to the, to the top but we just had the most wonderful time seeing what was there. Well and Burgias sort of just <coughs> yes. all over the, the place and, and it was just and little grevilleas and it just went on and on and the ferns and the, the sort of juxtaposition in your mind of going that this is so alive and incredible and it's going to be a metre under snow mm. in a number of months. And it blows your mind, isn't and, it? And what, even brachyscombs and little things. Oh. When Ian goes up mm. to Buller yeah. um, and wherever he goes, he, he's... Uh, sorry, Ian is who owned Bushland Flora before, but um, him and his wife and family love bushwalking and mm. skiing. Mm-hmm. Um, but wherever he goes... He always brings back, you know, a few little things. And he is an official <coughs> collector. He's mm. not, not just yeah, 
they're, yeah. they're put into breeding, you yes. know, to, yes. to have a look at what things can do. Um, but he comes back with the most amazing things. But what I couldn't get over to is the habit, like one of the places that he went, and I'm not going to remember it, up in Queensland, he was saying that they were growing, the philothecas were growing wild, the pink form. Okay. Uh, not the Ariostomum australis, but it okay. was a different one again. Yep. But everything up one side of the mountain isn't the same. So mm. if you see it, you know, mm. it's this side. Yes. It's not what's on the other side of the mountain. But yes. I'm amazed at what is growing everywhere. It's mm. amazing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. Really brilliant. We, we had it sort of, you know, salt rubbed into the wound because there were runners and cyclists there. And so, you know, I, I'm puffing along and, and then these runners would come flying past you. You know, they'd been running sort of for eight hours. <laughs> It's me going, oh, okay. <laughs> but it was um, it was a really fabulous weekend and one wonderful to sort of see what what is growing up there. It was just superb. Really I've special. got a funny story. When I started at Bushland, I, I didn't really know very much about natives. And my in-laws have got a 67-acre property up at North Harcourt. Mm-hmm. And I knew what a native geranium was. That was about it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I said to my sister, oh, I'm going going for a walk and I came back two hours later to be told that every single thing that I had was a weed. (laughs) I thought it was just growing beautifully. They have Wallenbergia and chocolate lilies and everything Mm. that grows sort of up there. But, yeah, yeah, so that was... I'm now a bit better at plant identification (laughs) than I was back then. Sue, you're extremely good at plant ID now. Well, that was one of the things I loved about going to Burnley, plant ID. It was Mm. just so exciting. I love that. But it's interesting because um, doing government contracts and things like that, you have to, sometimes there's plants on there that we don't know. And um, Pete had come back with um, some aotus aerocordies, I've been told, and I Mm. said, no, it's not that. That's not the foliage that I've got. And after looking at it, uh, we'd sourced it out by seed and it yeah. was just a different form. It was only when I got on Google that I saw that there's variants and it's quite interesting because even a, cor- a Correa Reflexa, yes. there are so many variances on, on yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Different forms. This is the 3CR Garden Show. You're listening to Virginia Hayward, Loretta Childs and Sue Stevens. If you want to ring us, ring us on 9419 or text us on 04 Double eight, eight oh nine, eight double five. Oh yes. And if you wish to send a text, I mean send an email. It's gardening at three cr dot org dot au. Um, I was just going to say also talking about our mulching and which we always like to put in around seventy five mil thick, um, and you can also think about something like your grevillea crimson carpet which is like a mulch, you know, it's, it covers the ground like your myoporums and it's a really valuable plant to sort of have at that absolutely lower story. Well, I like to use as little mulch as possible. Yeah, I mm-hmm. would rather have live mulch. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I do, what mulch do you tend to use? There's a lot of different mulches um, and we've actually just got a new one, which is a yuki mulch, uh, which we're using. It's very, very well rotted. It's really organic, and it's going to break down a little bit quicker than you might want it to, but I it's a much it better thing to break down quickly. I, I don't want like it to break yeah. down quickly. I, I don't want like to feed my yeah. soil. And where did you get that from, should I say? Yeah. Yeah, Bark King. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what beautiful. I need to get for my garden. I haven't mulched well, it. This, this mulch, I would, yeah, I'll, I'll get the exact name of it mm. um, because there are so many. It's a question I get asked a lot on mm. Facebook. Your garden looks good, what mulch? And I said, I haven't got any on mm. at the moment because I've got a mulcher. Yes. So I try and put back yes. onto my garden. Yes. Um, but with all the trees coming down mm. a couple of years ago, mm. um, my neighbours say, Sue will have that mulch and I'll get six metres mm. or whatever. Mm. Um, but that's something I need to get at the yes. moment. And, and letting people know that, I mean, they have something sort of cut down and, and yeah. put through the mulch and don't use it straight away. Yes. I get, I, when I see them out on mm. the street, I mm-hmm. say, do you want to dump your mulch? Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they have to take it to the tip. Yeah. I, I love peace straw and things like that too, but I can't use that. I've got so many things on my garden. I need something fine to be mm. able to get around. Mm. See, um, I love the pea straw because yeah. I see the peas coming up. I think, yeah. oh, yes, there's some nitrogen fixing. I love fixing. it in a country garden. When you've got a big garden and big garden mm. beds like you've got, I think it looks absolutely wonderful. Mm. What I couldn't get over, I was gardening, helping gin one day, and a uh, hot summer day up in the top garden, about 40 degrees, I think it was, and, and you just put down that mulch. The temperature of the soil is so cool because yes. you've got that air underneath yes. that peastrol mm. yes yeah, yeah. which uh, is stop. another reason to bring in bringing in rock work is is obviously what i specialize in but it's also about the coolness of those roots being able to you know you plant in amongst the rocks and those roots are moist mm. yeah all year under the rocks it's moist and those roots are going to levitate you know towards them and it's just Fabulous way to go. Oh, yeah. we've never thought of that. We've got our first yeah. caller, girls. Okie doke. We have a caller on line eight. Hello there, on line eight. That is Bernie from Langwarren. Yes, good morning to you all. Good morning, good morning. Bernie. I'd like, <coughs> pardon, <coughs> pardon me. I've got a um, couple of questions, if I may. Please. Um, uh, pruning. Now, Raspberries, do, do you just cut them right back in the winter time? You do. We do. Um, right down. All the I cut mine all yep, the way down. All the way down. The canes will pull out naturally anyway. Mm. The old ones you pull out, don't you? Yeah, pull them out. Yeah. Cut it right down. And I have such do, wonderful raspberries this year because of all the rain. Mm. Do they need a cross pollinator? Not the ones that I've bought. They they are already they're they're self pollinating. Yes, and I've never ever thought about it. I've got a row of raspberries, and mm-hmm. they make raspberries every year for me. And if it's a dry year, they're tiny and not very good. And if it's a wet year, they're mm. big and yummy. Mm. <laughs> so I think I don't. Yeah, it's, I don't it's think it's a problem. I've, I've had them, or they've been had by family members and myself for a little while, a few years, and they've never fruited. Now somebody told me if you put sulphate of potash, potash, potash. yeah. Yes, that will help anything fruit. And I tell you, banana skins are very good for um, potash, so you can put banana yeah, skins I don't around them. bananas, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Probably you've got somebody in the family that does. Tell them to save their banana skins. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But, um, yes, potash will help anything. I mean, at the moment I would be putting potash on my camellias if I was worried about them because they're about to come into flower. And then in spring I'd be putting my bananas elsewhere. But, yes, okay. potash should help. But why not when you can, okay. just buy another, another raspberry and put that in. There are, there are different raspberries, some, some fruit a lot later than others. 
So yes. that's now, something to consider. Um, another couple of questions is pruning, I think it's viburnum. Yeah. Can you just give them a light prune? Yes, I would. I don't think you need to go crazy with a viburnum. I don't prune. I don't prune no, mine. No. I prune one. One I've pruned the bottom out because I wanted to mm-hmm. plant underneath it. Mm. Another one I've pruned because I've planted it in the wrong place and I can't let it go. Yeah, yeah. But if you can let it go, I think that's the best thing to do. And if you and with anything that you don't know quite how it go, I'd say prune fairly softly. Yes. And I wouldn't prune them in winter. I've actually had to take. Um, branches off my snowball tree and I've had die back if I actually did that so I um, think in Lang Warren he would not be as cold he wouldn't as be. you yeah yeah and I know um is it Virginia who's uh that's me prunes her salvia back real hard I do prune them although I, I've, I don't prune anything anymore if I can't see some buds because I do have a habit of pruning so hard I sometimes lose things, unless I absolutely know I can prune it to the ground. Mm. Some things you know you can do All that. All the salvias are different, because some of them sucker, and the ones that sucker I take straight down, right down to the ground, ground every year. Mm. But some of the others you need to be uh, no, no mm. more than a third of it. I usually prune to where I can see there's yeah. buds coming. Mm. And so if I... Some things I don't leave, some things I leave, some things I prune every two, only every two or three years, the really big winter flowering ones. And then the smaller ones that just tend to get very leggy if you don't prune them. In fact, I just pulled out one of my favourite salvias because I hadn't pruned it hard enough and it had just got too leggy. But then I try and prune, I try and take off a third. Mm. The same as you would a lavender. You know, if you don't prune them, you end up with all this dead wood that's not attractive. Yes. Yeah, but with salvia, um, would you do that in winter time? I don't. It depends. I've nearly always got flowers on, haven't I? Yeah. Yes, they do. Uh, at the end of winter, I'd do it, Bernie. At the end of winter. Yeah, yeah. And what halfway? But Mine are about or oh, half a metre tall. Again, it's you cannot prune. Well, you. you it depends what you want, what you want them to look like. What salvia actually are you talking about? That you've well, got. It's a red flowering one. Jesna refolia, then. It's a tall, tall one with a fruity scent. Oh, it's, it's more bushy, I think, than anything. Mm. I would. Oh, um, I must admit, I do. Pr- it's only five hundred. Oh, um, maybe it's hot lips. Mm. Yeah. I think that you can prune it. I, I <coughs> because you're in Lang Warren, and I imagine you don't get bad frost. I think you could prune it during winter if you wish. Because I've got so many, I'll start pruning my salvias now and I'll still be pruning at the beginning of spring. Okay. So I think you can do it. And it, actually the advantage of pruning them now is they'll, they'll reshoot quite quickly. Yeah, because my back garden, it's in shade for most of the winter and I only get full hot sun from October to the end of March perhaps. Right. That's that's a, a tricky position that when you don't get any winter yeah, sun, yeah, makes growing much I harder. I can put a couple out the front, and that's full sun all the time. Mm. But at least you wouldn't get frost there then. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we we do, but um, not very much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're putting them in full sun, you probably want to be looking at salvias with the smaller leaves. That will be an indication for you. Any grey leaf salvia would probably be safe out the front. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All good.
Yeah. That was nice to have somebody ring in. They're Ooh, ignoring us this morning. Yeah, yes, I yes. actually stopped pruning a lot only because of my location in winter. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I get the frost in, yes. then I can get damage to it. And I've yes. lost a lot of salvias over winter. Mm. In, but they're full sun position, but then yes. they're the frost too. Yes. So that's been a challenge. And you also get very wet soil. Absolutely. Mm. So yeah. I have a quagmire in winter and turns mm-hmm. to concrete in summer, except mm. for some of the new mm. garden beds. So that was a real eye-opener, actually starting as a gardener and then learning mm. the soil preparation is an absolute must. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And it's isn't it interesting with, the speaking of frost, where I am at Christmas Hills, well, where at, we call it Big Hill, and Big Hill on that range through there above Yarra Glen, where sort of the highest point. Yes. Um, and we do not... 19 years later, we don't get frost because there's always a bit of air movement. Mm. You know, not wind, it's just... And, and the frost won't settle Okay. See, this when is what happens. that movement. So for for me, what happens is it, frost. it literally... I've had one in 16 mm. years, mm. one when the frosts were unbelievably bad. But mm. what happens with me is it... Because the thing that frost does is it rolls like water. Mm. And for me, it rolls down the hill. Uh-huh. So I've driven out of my place with mm-hmm. a perfectly clean windscreen, mm-hmm. got to the bottom of the road, and Stop. my windscreen's just completely suddenly frosted over, yeah, which, yeah. thank God, I wasn't, hadn't turned into the main road because yeah. you know, suddenly I couldn't see. Mm. So mm. pe- un- the people underneath me yeah. who are low down, they get really bad yeah. frost. In fact, they get my frost. It rolls mm. off the hill mm. straight down to their place. And one year, all the vineyards around me lost their grapes, and I didn't lose mm. mine at all because mm. the frost rolled down. Yeah, and you do have that... Um, I have... I do have a succulent garden on the west side of the property and I have these agave attenua which are now they're this size and they've multiplied and multiplied and, and they've never and I've I've got friends who have come up and they've just been hit by frost and their agaves are just looking pretty sad and they I hate you. <laughs> one of the, one of the things that I learnt in Britain uh, people would plant for frost there yeah. and they would plant and a plant going down the hill and then leave a gap and the frost would roll down next to those plants and then through the gap and mm. it was a way of encouraging the frost off the garden. Right. We have a text. Raphaelipsis Raphael snow maiden, the common name is dwarf Indian hawthorn. Ah, that's right. And yes. this is from Margot and she wants to know when is the best time to hard prune cottonus? Well, I would say you don't want to prune it until you've had your lovely autumn colour. Yes. So absolutely, in winter. Absolutely, absolutely. In winter, for sure. Yes. No, you want to, want to get all that colour out. And And I assume that if you, I mean, again, we don't have frost. I assume the cottonus will not be damaged by the frost. If it is, then you have to prune it yeah. at the end of winter. Yes, I'd be surprised. If they're very tough. Very they tough, really yes. Tough. I would have thought that mm. when they're dormant, you could just safely prune mm. them. Yep. Down to whatever. I will, I've started pruning mine, mm. mainly because I wanted to test a mulcher. <laughs> so I thought, oh, well, I'll go at the cottonus. But um, I, I will prune mine in, what, in a month, I suppose, yes. when, the, when the colour, yes. when, when the leaves are off, and then yes. I'll prune it. Yep, absolutely. Let the leaves go, Because sure. they're so whippy that I think they, are, they do look better if they get pruned every couple mm. of years. Although, as I say, I have got one cottonus that's never been pruned and it's turned into a lovely tree. Mm. I planted the purple leaf one that's very excited about. That's about one and a half metres tall now. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. I was over at my neighbours. I got 
asked to go to my neighbours to give some advice on growing veggies. And uh, I said to her, because I've got privet there mm. that was planted, not by me, by previous people. Yeah. I'm going to be taking that out. And it's like, oh, but then I'll be able to see through the fence. And I said, no, you won't, because that, you're going to actually see a really nice purple leaf cottonus. Mm. Mm. We talk a lot between the neighbours, what we do too, which I think is really important. Yeah. I know so many people have trouble uh, that neighbours plant certain things and block their views and whatever, mm. and we always talk amongst us what we're doing. Yes. We've even had neighbours come over and give me a hand with pruning and trees mm. and things. Mm. So, yeah. So if anybody wants to get a quick question in, the number to ring us on is 94190155, and somebody has texted in to say that it's been a fabulous show and they've really enjoyed the wonderful plant recommendations. Oh, lovely. So that's nice. Well, Sue has just the most beautiful, (laughs) beautiful bouquet of flowers over there. uh, I'm very excited. I picked this very big bunch of flowers in case we ran out of things to talk about, and And about autumn gardens. Sue, talk about that one you got from Craig at Gentiana Nurseries, because I think that uh, is beautiful. I love Achilles or Yarrow, Mm -hmm. and they... They all have different sort of flowering uh, times, but this one that I got from Craig, and he said it was wonderful, is called Cerise Queen, mm. and I'm trying to find... This is the faded... Isn't it lovely? Um, it's, a, you, it's a really lovely um, that, maroon colour. Yeah, and they're the main buds, and I've actually used this Cerise Queen amongst roses, and the Australian native that I've put with that is Lithrum. Oh, really? So I've got Lithrum salicaria, which is a loose strife, mm-hmm. in that pink, and the Salvia canariensis, silver foliage with pink flowers, yeah. Feistostegia virginiana, and it's I've got like a, a wispy garden. Mm-hmm. This, what I love is value for money, and when you get a plant that you can then make 10 plants with the next year, yes. spread it through the garden, yes. Um, very low water usage. The bees love it. Yes. Um, it's it's my favourite out of mm. all of the. Um, it's almost got a bit of a statusy look, hasn't it? It has. You know, it that has. sort of. Um, yeah. And I think I think the colour because it it it's got both the purple and the white yeah. in it. Even when it fades, it's that. just gorgeous, isn't yes, it? Yes, They're both yes, holding up on the, bits um, of the plant. Yes, <laughs> it should be on Facebook. We just put yeah. in from Antique Perennials the, the Achillea, the, the, uh, it's a, a new one, and I'm trying to think of I've the name. I've got it too. It's, um, um, a yellow. It's a yellow. Yes, a lemony yellow le- one. It's called Lemon Blush. Yes, I've got I that think, too. Yes. Actually, that flowers for a long time. Right. Um, but what I love about that too, it doesn't get as tall as this. Okay. It's a lot shorter. Oh, that's uh, good. Actually, uh, that's good knowing where we've put it. There's yeah. another one that I bought that they did too um, called Parch parchment mm-hmm. i bought the lemon one and that particular one from antique perennials and okay. they both stay lower right. but the parchment I, one I is do, only coming into flower now i do find the achilles are a little bit too much in my garden they just spread and spread and spread yeah but that one is so beautiful i think i wouldn't mind if it's oh spread. it's it's just lovely mm. and i that mingles in between grevilleas i use it with everything mm. just little Beautiful. Dots of it everywhere. So when am I coming to your garden? Um, anytime. Okay. Yeah, when I'm home. <laughs> and we've just, we've just got Jill from the Herb Society who's rung in. Hello, Jill. 
Hello, Virginia. And the other lady, I don't know. Sue and Loretta. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Could I speak about what's happening at the Herb Society at Birdmeek Horticultural on Thursday evening? Please do, Jill. And Craig Wilson of Gentiana Nursery in Olinda is Mm -hmm. coming to speak to us and he's going to bring plants for sale. And, of course, he has the rare and unusual cottage garden and um, plants that go in rockeries. And they're a bit more expensive, but if you think about it, if you live in Melbourne, then you could come to Burnley instead of going up to Olinda and you could save petrol. Mm, And bring lots of money. It's my favourite nursery up at uh, Craig's at Gentiana. I think I have probably a quarter of the plants he sells in my garden. (laughs) Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And do you know what I love too? Craig's plants are... um, really quite drought tolerant and a lot of them are the old varieties that you can't find anymore because he propagates yeah, things himself yeah. i have most of his um cranesbill geraniums that he actually sells i also find i go and i think oh craig i really want that and he said no virginia mm. i mean i really appreciate that he actually tells me that that will not grow at my place yeah. i'm too low this is a dandenong plant mm. And I think that makes a huge difference. We were just talking about one of his plants when you rang in, Jill. So I think if people um, are interested, Craig is a very good speaker. So going to the Herb Society next Thursday evening, what time, Jill? Well, people, we start promptly at 7.30, but people are advised to be there at 7.15 to get their feet. And we do have um, herb teas, but we've decided not to have food. Um, at the moment, and if people could still bring their masks, because now that there's the virus in Brisbane, you never know. Right. So we're being very cautious because we're mostly an older population, you know, 50 years old. So um, Burnley, seven, Burnley Horticultural Society um, College, 7.30, 7 o'clock for the Herb Society. Yes. Well, 7, 7.15, Craig's going to come at 7 o'clock. Right. And we're all... Uh, you enter Burnley uh, building through the steel ramp and the automatically open doors. And uh, we have a raffle. And uh, I always take cuttings. I'm going to take Mabel Gray and Lemon Verbena and uh, Salvia Pink Icicles to give away for people just to take. Excellent. Well, that sounds fantastic, Jill. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye, Jill. Talk soon. And we've also got a text message, which I think is rather important. Encouraging women in horticulture, their next event is a sustainable floristry event on Monday the 31st of May, which will be taking place at Chrysco Flowers with Rita Feldman. You can follow on Instagram for more details or email events at EWHA. Dot com dot au. That's events at ewha.com.au for encouraging women in horticulture. So that's on May, Monday the 31st of May. Um, Jen, I was going to ask too, are we having a plant fair this year? We've got one coming up in April so in Wandon. Okay, so this is like the Tesla's one, but... It's moved. Um, it's now being done by... 
Larkman's in Wandon, and I think, let me just have a quick look at my calendar, I think it is the weekend of the 17th and 18th of April. That's Yarra Yarra Plant Festival in Wandon, 17th and 18th, and the week before... Uh, Clive Larkman will be coming into the studio mm. to tell oh, us all that about it. That wonderful. Yeah. And Stephen is going to be the MC, MC yeah. for that. Mm. Wonderful. So it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah uh, because uh, everybody yeah. misses that, don't they? Well, we miss yeah. Tesla's, yes. Yeah. A very quick and important note is that AB and Chloe have messaged me to say we, um, the Achillea, which we also, when we went to Mount Buller, we were sort of taking in, well, you know, what's a weed, what's this. Achillea is all over Mount Hoth- Hotham. So this it's is a very big, bad weed. weed. So oh, my goodness. And, and we saw it from a distance and we thought, oh, what that beautiful The native. actual white. Yes, the white, the white one. one. Yeah, which, which, takes, so, yeah. which takes over. And it was just in plague proportion. Mm. So that's mm. a... A little note there. Yeah, yes, thank I, you, AB and Chloe. I listening? think well, it's important. I think mm. to yes. to know because for me, I have to be very careful because yeah. I've got paddocks on every side of my garden. Mm. Now, obviously, if I was in South Yarra, I wouldn't worry about it as no. much. Although, mm. you know, it can if it is really weedy, mm. it can get from South Yarra to to yes. Hotham mm. Mm. in time. In time, yeah. <laughs> but it can well, the do birds. It. It's all about the birds. This isn't as weedy as. The no. white, yeah. I know, yeah, yeah, where they're coming from. I with think, that one. I I've think planting that, that white one is would be crazy yes. anywhere. Yeah. It's, mm. It is weedy. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fantastic. And it's always something you have to take into account. Absolutely. What o- What always. is weedy? I, I mean, it's like your agapanthus. I mean, for goodness sakes, how hard is it to go and cut those flower stalks off? Yes. Put them in a vase. Yep. But don't let the seeds go. Yeah. Mm. Because the birds are going to pick them up and. That's why it's such a, you know, yeah, and it's hard to get rid of. I usually use the excavator, mm. which I do with glee. Digging away at agapanthus is mm. fun. Yes, yeah, and, and you know, they're lovely in the heat mm. of summer, that mm-hmm. white, particularly mm-hmm. the white, it's cool, mm-hmm. but you cannot let those seed heads just sit there. You've no. got to clear them off, and yes. you've got to clear them off in summer, not yes. wait till autumn. Yes, and, mm. I mean, looking at... Um, the miniatures are terrific also. And a lot of them are supposedly and, are sterile. Mm, and so you can get them in and you can... I never have any trouble. I've got agapanthus all mm. over my block with them mm-hmm. seeding off. I yeah. Yes, but you yeah. don't know, Sue, because the birds are going to take them elsewhere. Ah, I see. So, you, you, I mean, you cannot... The things mm. that are weedy, you cannot let them go to seed. No. Mm. You just can't. And I feel the same... About some of the, uh, the but anything that's South African, you've got to be very, very careful yes. of because yeah. you know that it's, it's the, climate, it's the same it? climate. Mm. Yes, mm. Gondwana land. We've got yes. the same climate as bits of Chile, yep, and yep. and bits of South Africa, mm. and plants from both those places therefore can be very, very weedy. Mm, absolutely, and that they're just devastating for our bush. You know, depending where. I mean, I've got a lantana in my garden. Mm. Now, if I was in New South Wales, that'd be a total panic. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I've just noticed you've got, um, sorry, Loretta, yes. pink midget. We've actually got a new grevillea out too yes. that's across um, called Pink Spider, okay. which is absolutely beautiful. Yes. Not as small as that, right? Okay. but it's a cerise across and mm-hmm. it grows to, look, it'll probably grow to about a metre, but instead of the pale pink, mm. it's got cerise and pale pink flowers. Okay. So very similar to this um, yes. 
cerise queen mm. yarrow. Mm. So that's the Gravillia. Yeah, Gravillia pigment. Just starting to gorgeous. get onto the market now. Yeah. Um, and it's not too prickly like okay. the, cer- the cerasia. Yes. It's actually got a curved leaf, not the pointy. Yeah. Well, mm. this pink midget, Grevillea pink midget, is a beautiful thing. It's um, lovely, spidery, soft pink flowers, uh, height to 30 centimetres yes. and 60 metres wide. Now, what a beautiful it's understory lovely. plant. 30 centimetres high and 600 wide. And that's this, you know, a fat little blob of pretty... I need to get that again for you my garden. To. I oh. love... Uh, all those types and I've got the amethyst which is the taller one mm. again yeah mm. do you have much trouble with rabbits where you are absolutely mm. and over the last 19 years I have basically pared it down to what the rabbits you know pe- people don't understand they come to your garden and that area oh yeah I've, I've replanted that five times yes and that's just that's part of your life um, mm. in the bush really isn't it so but now, I mean, it's 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 very much uh, it's surviving very very nicely. I have found that I've got ruse and they don't do me any damage. Mm-hmm. Meg, who's just near me, has got wallabies and they do her enormous mm-hmm. damage. Okay. I mean, you don't mind wallabies and possums like you mind rabbits. That's mm. where Dad has the problem no. too. They come and eat the whole dahlia heads off the okay. wallabies. Yeah. He's had to fence everything there. Mm. With the rabbits, so he's put in a uh, like a. a sonar mm-hmm. type of thing that he switches on and that's actually taken care of the rabbits I must okay. talk to your yes. dad <laughs> yes. yeah, so that's Absolutely. solved that sounds like uh, the old mosquito zappers that we used to have that you mm. turn on Yeah. Um, so you can hear it in the garden yes. but it covers dad's on one and a half acres and there's no rabbits on there right, with yeah. that. Right. and oh. I think maybe cost was maybe $400 which when you think about how many plants they mm. can destroy, it's yes. a pretty good investment. It yeah. is. Yes, always with these things, you have to think mm. about what it will do to other things as well, of mm. course. Mm. You know. I've not had um, my macadamia, which I've had in Integrifolia, I've had in now for probably about 12 years. And this year it flowered like it had never flowered before and it is covered in macadamias. That's How pretty exciting. exciting. It is. Covered, absolutely covered. I every branch and it's really drooping down now because they get bigger and bigger. So um, I just have to eventually harvest them. We were selling macadamia nuts many years ago, I think, at Bushland. Did you, you put one in a macadamia I've got a macadamia, nuts? but it's yeah. only quite small. It's been mm. very, very slow. Yeah. Mm. And I've, I've got a jacaranda and it's become a shrub. Because, of course, my place is too cold for jacaranda. Yeah. I mean, they say Melbourne is the edge of its limit. Yes. It's the most planted tree in the world, apparently. Really? The macadamia. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's mm. beautiful. It's a lovely sh- It's a lovely tree. Mine would be three metres. Mm. You must be as cold as me. Yep. I don't know why mine won't get I'm up. But really it's really happy. It's, a, it's probably two... Mm. Oh, it'd be... It'd be five foot yeah. now, but it's years old. Yeah. Mine is between three buildings, though. Yes. That so those help. three buildings yes. really give it a bit of a microclimate, I think. How's the planting going that you did in front of the new B&B that you'd... I think we're getting to the point mm-hmm. of winding up today, girls. Okay. We've had a lovely day. And, oh, and we've got one more question, which mm. is what was the Achillea that doesn't spread too much? So that's your, uh, either of those Achilleas you were talking about. The Cerise Queen. That's the same 
this, yes, and mm-hmm. I don't know with the lemon. I'd, I'd imagine that it would lemon blush is, yes. is the other. I think yes. so. Cerise Queen and lemon blush. Yeah, the other one is parchment, which mm-hmm. the lemon and the parchment are, are I think, antique perennials. I think the, the what you need is a bred one. If you get the species, yes. any species yes, is likely right. to be mm-hmm. problematic. Mm-hmm. Do not buy a yes. species Achillea. Yeah, so if it's got a name in little. Um, commas, mm. that means it's been bred and so mm. it's probably safer. Like your penicetums. Yes. You know, yes. Get your allopercaloides, don't get your sectacium. Yes, that's mm. right, because it's very, it's very important. We mm. must take the bush more seriously than, a, than yes. we have traditionally. Absolutely, yeah, mm. I agree with that. I've always planted, you know, all my exotics have been hard to the home, right up to the house. Yes. And then I'll do natives. And then I'll do indigenous. Yes, and, that's and how quickly to do explain it. the difference between native and indigenous. So, an, a native plant is is native to our nation, and an indigenous plant is a native that is is to the area. It is, that's where its home was. That's where it was bred from originally. So, so anything that grew up in the Yarra Valley for me mm-hmm. is an indigenous plant that yep. I can put as many as mm. I like in because yep. I know that it, they belong there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's what we have with the contracts that we work on too. We're supplying plants, so you need to get the material mm. to supply them from the area yes. uh, where they go back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we'll say goodbye to our, our listeners today and thank thank you everybody for listening in and next week make sure you give everybody a ring (laughs) thanks everybody thanks bye You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.